Hello and welcome to the Danalysis Fantasy Football Podcast with your main FPL pals, Dan and Natalie. Game Week 3 is over and the clean sheet chaos continues. This round has also brought some of the saddest team scores, but it's in these trying times that we must remember the sweet release of the international break. It's only six days away. So let's kick off with our team's scores for the week, Natalie. How did you do? And are you feeling positive about your team situation considering this weekend's events uh, and for the for the coming weeks? I got 54 points. I'd be very happy with that this week. Yeah, I can't tell you what the average is because God forbid my page refresh. I believe it's 41. 44. 40, 44, sorry, yeah. So, yeah, I feel all right about it. I feel fine about my team. I couldn't really have done much better, like, in terms of subs. Like, I could have got max, like, four more, five more points if I'd hmm. put the right people in. And obvi- well, obviously, if I'd changed my captain, I could have got, like, 15 more points, but... Who was your captain? Sterling, because it was safe. Yeah. So I went for a safe captain because last week I scored below average. So naturally this week I went for a safe captain to try and meet average. Yeah, and also I think most people would have looked at this week's fixtures and although Salah and Mane and all these Liverpool players have quite a good record against Arsenal, you'd be forgiven for going for, uh, for City against Bournemouth where they routinely hammer them and Sterling often comes away with some goals. So that's all good. Um, any other notable? I finished on 40, which is not great. That's fine. Yeah, it's kind of fine. Um, it's just a little bit disappointing because like when you look at some of the fixtures, and I mean the clean sheets are partly to blame for this because I had Pope instead of Gunn. Uh, I played Gunn for the first two weeks of the season, came away with three points from him. And this week I decided, you know what, I'm going to go Pope. Uh, I think he'll probably do well against Wolves. I can't see Gunn keeping a clean sheet. And I had Trossard in my team. So I was like, I don't want to play the Southampton goalkeeper against my like attacking midfielder from Brighton. Uh, Gunn finishes on seven, whereas Pope loses six points in the 97th minute against Wolves. Yeah, I think I'm going to struggle with rotating Heaton and Pope for the entire Hmm. season because I've got it wrong every week so far. This is exactly what happened to me last season as well. Yeah, I remember it happening. Yep. (laughs) So nothing new there. But yeah, it was a little bit disappointing. I, I started Diop over Van Dijk because I was fairly sure that Arsenal would score and they did, although... It didn't come quite as early as I was hoping slash expecting. Uh, Luca Dean, one point on Friday night. That was less than ideal. I didn't catch the game in the end, actually. And it, it looked like Villa were probably the better team overall. But but um, yeah, some, some good finishing as well. Uh, Walker in defence. He walked away with one point. Looked like he was going to get sent off for a lot of that game. So I'm actually kind of happy with just the one. And it was really, I, I got three players who actually scored any points and that was Captain Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne and Aubameyang. So yeah, I'm below average this week but then at the same time I look at my team and I'm like actually it's fine. It's it's just kind of this weird situation where where I think most of the big players have have scored quite poorly this week and it's been guys like your Timu Pukis and uh, Tammy Abraham of course. Like these guys have really stuck out. The one thing I would say is... I'm kind of mirroring sort of real life Arsenal at the moment in that it's exactly the same stuff happening to me, but in a different way. So you know how like usually I'm really bad at picking captains, but then the rest of my team will sort of bring up the score. Yeah. This season, yeah, I've got three out of three of my captains. Uh, I've 
had the Sterling hat trick on week one, Abamyang with 12 points last week, and Sterling with eight double to 16 this week. So I'm actually pretty chuffed about that. That's, that's usually the thing that I'm kind of getting psyched out about every year. Anyway, um, let's move on to, to the weekend's action. So, I mean, Chelsea attack seems like a good place to start. Tammy mm. Abraham has just emerged on the scene. And I thought his performance was was really good, really encouraging. Um, really liked his second goal as well. It reminded me of the one that Aubameyang scored against Burnley. Um, in that he just kind of took the ball and ran with it for a bit and then kind of stepped to the side and put it in the bottom corner where the keeper couldn't get it. It was a really, really confident finish. And at 7 million, I I suspect he'll probably go up fairly soon. Uh, But he looks like a good option, particularly from game week 7 onwards. How how do you feel about old Tammy? Um, I feel that it is sod's law that my whole entire plan for the last month and a half was to get Tammy in for this game week and I went for Rashford instead. And then Tammy scored two goals. Um, <laughs> that is fantasy AF. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but I'm looking forward to... The, the, like, I still believe that we haven't got enough data to really work on. So I am looking forward to game week seven, at which point uh, Chelsea start a run of not playing a single top six side f- until game week 13 when they face Man City. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I might get him in then. Yeah, and it's a similar, uh, I'd say kind of a similar situation for Mason Mount as well, mm. because he's been really impressive. Sorry, did he start at six or did he start at 6.5? He started at six. I see. Okay. So he, he's gone up and he, um, yeah, 6.2 at time of recording. He was really, really good in this game. Um, but the thing that I thought about Chelsea and, and I kind of want to echo what you just said about, you know, the lack of data. And it's one of the reasons I'm not super panicking. And uh, there are a few moves we'll talk about later that I really want to make, but it's kind of the impulsive side of me that wants to make them because I feel like I'm fixing a problem rather than it actually being sound logic to make those moves. Yeah, Chelsea in this game, like they didn't really have a lot of clear-cut chances besides like the goal for Mason Mount. It was it was actually quite um it's quite an open game generally speaking. Uh but there weren't sort of amazing one-on-one opportunities for for Chelsea besides the Mason Mount one. And this is the thing I can kind of find interesting about Mount is I still don't really know enough about the player yet to know is he going to be like getting lots and lots of chances throughout the game or is it going to be is it a case of he's just finished the ones that he's gotten so far this season? And I'm kind of feeling a little bit like that. And with Sheffield United next, it is at Stamford Bridge. Um, but then Wolves away after that and then Liverpool at home after that. Those are three very tricky fixtures. Uh, the Sheffield United one included because just watching them, like they seem really, really well drilled, really good defensively. And if you think of the way that Chelsea have played in the last few weeks, it's been sort of like gung-ho attack with very little regard for defending. And a team like Sheffield United are surely going to see that as a weakness and think we can just hit these guys on the break, get them while they're they're napping defensively and just comfortably kind of sit back and mop up anything they try to, to throw at us attacking-wise. So I'm a little bit undecided on them, but Tammy Abraham at, at 7 million, if he does nail down his place and and... You know, if he does get one goal over the next three, for example, I think that would still be encouraging. 
Um, I just want to see a bit more from him. Obviously, they played against Norwich, who were probably a little bit unfortunate on the day to come away with a loss because Norwich, as they have done all season so far, just created a shed load of, of I say a shed load of chances. They created a few <laughs> and they looked really, really positive. They're, they're very, um, very attack-minded. So Puki and Cantwell being the standout contenders. Cantwell, for me particularly, at 4.7, he is one of the guys I look at and I think, oh, he would solve so many budget problems for me. But I'm not ready. I'm not ready to give up on, on my Leicester guys. How do you feel about Norwich considering they've got West Ham and Man City in their next two and then Burnley, Crystal Palace after that who are, to all intents and purposes, pretty solid defensive teams, West Ham notwithstanding? To me, at this current point in time, it doesn't seem like that really matters to Pookie, Cantwell and the rest of the lads. They don't seem asked about who they're coming up against. Yeah. So for that reason... I would still be cautious. Like, I wouldn't... I don't know. I mean, we said this last week. I'm ready to put money on Pookie being the winner of the Golden Boot this season. And I actually tried <laughs> to do it yesterday. <laughs> I tried to do it yesterday and it's the option isn't available in the William Hill app. And I was quite upset. And I was like, I'm not making, like, a Sky Bet account just to do this. Why is it not? He literally is the current top scorer. I can't find the outright top scorer bit. I can't right, find okay. it. It doesn't exist in the app. I don't okay. know if it's on the website. I don't know if I have to go into a shop. Well, I'm not doing that. But anyway, that's where I sit on that. So, yeah, it'd be nice to have him, but I just don't want him anymore because everyone has got him and it's boring and I'll probably get him in three weeks' time. This is it, right? Uh, this is what bores the hell out of me is when you get someone like this and I see in, in the quote-unquote FPL community, <laughs> like all this talk about uh, Pookie, you know, you got to get him because he's a shield. Like you have him in your team and it doesn't matter if he doesn't score anything because everyone, everyone else owns him. Yeah. So you have to just use him as a guy who is going to go up in price, which I do like this side of things. It's if you get someone who's rapidly rising in price, you can potentially in, in four or five weeks time, sell him for what point four point five profit or something if he really goes up. So there is that side of things, but also... The way I'm approaching the game this year is one, uh, it's kind of an extension of last year. Like I tried to be a bit more level-headed about my approach last year, not taking hits all the time just because I, you know, I got a feeling. And I felt like that was mostly successful until I started to lose my head late on and, and started making some slightly crazy decisions to try and catch up a bit. But I, I look at... um Puki and and I look at these fixtures and I just think that is then filling a slot in my team that if I don't believe he's gonna like I don't want him playing against Man City I don't want to field him against Man City uh, and I don't really want to against Burnley and Crystal Palace West Ham which is the next fixture is the only one I'd maybe look at and be like well their defense is quite questionable um but yeah I, I don't really want to waste a transfer just on a guy that I'm getting in to watch the the numbers go up so that I can then potentially later sell him for someone for sell him and have slightly more in my budget I'd rather focus on just trying to get the guys that I think are going to score now yeah and I, I I kind of feel ignorant for ignoring Pookie in that sense because he has been so good but at the same time it's like it has to end at some time right mm. hopefully <laughs> I, don't, I like I don't know and I 
I kind of don't expect it to. Hmm. But so really, I'm looking at Cantwell, and I have I said this last week as well, but I just wasn't sure about Cantwell or Buendia. Hmm. At the time, money wasn't really an issue, but I didn't realize Buendia was six. Um, also, but that's still not really a problem. But anyway, I'm gonna get Cantwell because then, so. I downgrade Townsend, who I kind of just got in as a punt because I had some money and I didn't really know what to put there at the start of the season. Um, so I downgrade him to Cantwell, and that's egged on by the fact that Townsend didn't start at the weekend. Um, did he not? I didn't no, even realise. He did not. Um, and obviously Palace won. Yeah, so I probably will get Cantwell in this week, and then he'll just like sit around, slot around and rotate. Like I'm mm. not getting him in to play every single game of every single everything. Yeah, I guess that's what compels me to Cantwell more than Pookie is, one, I can't afford Pookie. I'd need to, well, I'd need to get rid of Aubameyang to afford Pookie at the moment if I wanted to do it in one transfer. Uh, Cantwell, for, like I could do it this week, and that would free up some money, but I want to keep my two Leicester boys for this week. And the issue for me is I'm currently rolling with a sort of 3-4-3, 3-5-2 um formation mm. and i'd have to probably commit to one of those if i wanted to bring in campwell if campwell then decided to go for a torrid run of fixtures say man city burnley and crystal palace which i'm looking at and not liking because uh, i kind of already said it but you know these teams are they're the kind of teams that are going to look at norwich and their free-flowing style and be like no nah, we're not going to let you play like that we're gonna well city in a slightly different way because they'll just hold the ball for 90 minutes. But Burnley and Crystal Palace will will be happy to soak up that pressure defensively. Um, so, yeah, like he, he's encouraging because of that price point and it's someone who plays every week. Certainly as it stands, he's playing every week and he looks such a threat. Like he is the one who seems to be feeding Pookie for all of his chances. And his goal was really, really nicely taken. Um, really good assist from Pookie, actually. And I think that kind of extends to what we were saying last week about how Pookie is a better footballer than you would have thought for someone who just scored a load of goals, goals in the championship. He he seems to be a good all-rounder rather than just someone who pops up and gets goals, which I'd say is more of your, your Glenn Murray type striker who will probably find himself getting some games now uh, Andone's been sent off. But yeah, uh, Campwell, a good option for sure. I think he's rising quite steadily and he's up to 4.7 at the time of recording. One guy who really caught my eye, um, and of course he would because I am just unashamedly biased, is Nicola Pepe. He is now at 9.4 and Arsenal actually have a pretty favourable run of fixtures coming up. And perhaps we should preface this with looking at a guy like Pepe uh he's had his first start and it was against Liverpool is away from home I heard before we started recording that Liverpool haven't lost in 42 games at Anfield in the league and Arsenal haven't won in what like 20 in the last 25 away fixtures to the big to the top six yeah it's it's not great right so I kind of an aside but like there's been a strangely divisive reaction to this Arsenal game where some fans have been sort of really infuriated by the idea that Emery went there and tried to play like a sort of counter-attacking game. And I just don't understand Surely it that's personally. not a problem because Liverpool are going to attack. So what you want to do is 
counterattack. Well, yeah, I mean, if... I mean, I don't know about football, but... <laughs> if Pepe takes his chance, or if Aubameyang takes his chance where Adrian kicks it to him, like Arsenal are 1-0 up, and all of a sudden that game is potentially different, right? But I find it a little bit frustrating because, as a manager... Uh, your your job is to try and win the game, right? And it's to to find the most likely scenario, let's say, for for you to actually get points, uh, take points from this game. And I guess Emery's approach was, hey, let's soak soak up a load of crosses. We'll give them, uh, we'll give Robertson and Trent Alexander Arnold loads of space out wide, and we'll just defend those crosses. But I couldn't understand why there was such a, a negative reaction from from some uh, Arsenal supporters because we've you know we went out with a, a sort of all out attacking approach many times in the past at Anfield and we got beaten five one six one four nil whatever like we've been hammered so many times so I did feel a bit confused by all of this when there was such a, a sort of vociferous reaction to the idea that we were going to Liverpool and, and taking a slightly negative mentality when probably the best way, your best chance of getting points is to just get a lucky break and score it. Like, that's how you get points against the best teams in the league. You have to take your one chance when you get it. Um, but Pepe did show some really, really positive signs. And it's the North London derby next at the Emirates Stadium. And then it's Watford, Aston Villa, Man United and Bournemouth. So a pretty decent little run of fixtures. And this is a kind of a question of what your, t- uh, what your, what your team structure looks like at the moment. Because um, 9.4 is a tricky price point. De Bruyne is currently at 9.7, I think. And uh, I have De Bruyne. I'm looking at maybe the week Arsenal play Watford or Aston Villa looking at potentially bringing Pepe in for him because City come up against Everton, Wolves, Crystal Palace and Aston Villa. They're all teams I've been reasonably convinced by their defences in the last few weeks. And over that time, Arsenal have Man United, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace. So I guess you could kind of say similar things about those defences, but I, I do really like Pepe's style of play. Um, and I think you should add a lot to this attack. Could have potentially scored once or twice in this game, but, you know, it's it's always got to be a tricky one. What are your thoughts on, on Pepe? Do you think there's any, uh, firstly, is there any sort of justification for going for him now as a gamble, or do you think it's a wait-and-see situation? I couldn't go for him now. Like, I feel like it's too risky. But we have now seen him play a game, and we have now seen him that he can do football well. But yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't want to put that much money into something that I wasn't sure would actually be able to pull itself off. Yeah, I, I think the the fan in me is looking at this Spurs at home game and obviously Spurs losing to Newcastle yesterday. I'm thinking, oh, this is a great opportunity to announce yourself. And uh, the game at the Emirates last season was the one that Arsenal won 4-2 and I think Aubameyang scored two goals in that and I just feel like this would be this would be the sort of game that you can you know get a real hat full of goals in because it's always quite a quite an adventurous exciting one quite an emotionally led game so there is a big opportunity there I think the question for me like I was talking to someone on Twitter earlier about this about De Bruyne sort of versus Pepe as as an option and I think the difference between them is Kevin De Bruyne is a guaranteed starter. He is 
I'd, I'd actually argue that Sterling is the best player in uh, City at the moment, but Kevin De Bruyne certainly has the potential to be the main man there, and he was a few seasons ago. But the position that Kevin De Bruyne plays, like he's going to be more of a creator. Most of his points are, are going to come from assists, and uh, and he just doesn't play as advanced. He's not as much of a goal scorer as someone like Pepe, who walked away with what I think it was twenty three goals in in Ligue 1 last season. And I know a lot of people say that, oh, yeah, nine of those were penalties, but he did also win six of those penalties. So if he wins six penalties for Arsenal this year, that's six assists, and then add on, what, 15 goals to that? That is a very, very good uh, Premier League season, especially in the 9.4 to 10 million range. So I do think there's a certainly a shout for him, but now it does just feel like a little bit too much of a gamble when you don't really need to make that gamble. Um, but I am I am watching intently because I think if he can start putting away a few goals like that, that does become a genuine question. And uh, I was pretty unimpressed with Kevin De Bruyne yesterday. I thought he walked away with an assist, which was basically a scuffed shot. But he didn't have his best game, and he didn't really seem to have the best touch. And I think that was maybe a little bit more more down to Bournemouth just being probably the best they've ever been against Man City, and still losing 3-1 but yeah he he looked a bit off like his touch looked a bit off at times his delivery it was a little bit hit and miss uh but anyway moving on Alaire is a guy I'm very excited about and really the guy that I want to bring in this week if I didn't have to take a minus four to make it happen very good fixtures um I'm including Man United at home as a very good fixture uh Norwich at home next Aston Villa away Man United at home Bournemouth away and Crystal Palace at home and I saw a little stat earlier. You can see on our Twitter, at The Denalysis, if you want to follow us, that West Ham have the highest XG outside of the top two, I think. What does that actually mean? It just means they had the best chances or they've created the most good chances um, over the past three games. Huh. Let me find this stat because actually it's better if I just get it right rather than making it up. So it's a very small sample, but despite playing Man City, West Ham have the third highest XG in the league, uh, 5.67, the third highest big chances with nine, and the fifth highest shots on target. And Alaire has the third highest XG among forwards, and he only played two game weeks. So that alone is pretty encouraging. But then they also said uh, playing Norwich next week, who have the seventh worst xgc which is expected goals conceded and aston villa with the fourth worst so there's a a good opportunity there potentially and i think it's 7.4 it's an awkward price point uh certainly awkward for me because i'm running with like a 6.5 and a 6.0 and an 11 million striker and i don't want to get rid of Aubameyang for the north london derby because we know what happened last year but I do think he looks a great player and he is someone who impressed me in the game against City as well, despite them not really having much of the ball and getting absolutely hammered. Like he had some really, really nice touches and just looks like an all round quality player. And he was very, very lively in this match against Watford. Um, what do you think about Alaire? Is he someone on your watch list? Will you be bringing him in? Yeah, definitely. Because um, I was thinking about Lanzini last week. Yeah. And then was like, I can't do this. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking at him. It's just a, I mean, it all kind of depends on price changes. Um, but I could either look at getting Alarin over Ings or I could look at upgrading a defender. 
So I don't know. Don't know. We'll see. Hmm. I'm a bit tied up with my money. Yeah, the thing about West Ham is they basically have a great run of fixtures for the next sort of nine, ten weeks. Like it's really, it's really quite good. Um, and they, you know, they've got Man United, who are a, who are a top six side in there. They've got Everton, uh, but aside from that, it's basically mid table or low mid table teams. So I think he's a very, a very strong candidate and someone who scored upwards of 20 goals in the Bundesliga last year, he's certainly shown that he's got form for it. And he's, he's picked up, uh, picked up this league with no, no trouble whatsoever. So I think he's probably one of the best striker picks around at the moment, besides obviously Timu Puki is going crazy as it stands. Yeah. I think he's well-priced, Ella. Like, yeah. I think it's a good price if he continues to actually be good. Yeah, I think it's a solid price, and I think anyone could complain about that. Yeah, so so that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I, I want to bring him in, but I'm gonna have to wait till game week five because the only way I can do it is by downgrading a midfielder or a defender. Mm. Uh, I need to free up a million, and I'm like, I don't want to get rid of like Tillemans or Perez, even though everyone's getting rid of Perez against Bournemouth at home. Um, I think Leicester have been you know, they've been okay. They haven't been amazing, haven't set the world light at the start of this season, but they have been doing well, uh, all things considered. And yeah, I just, I don't want to get rid of them just yet, especially not for a minus four, because it feels like that's one of those things that could really blow up in my face. And especially with Allaire getting two goals this week, he's probably primed for a blank against Norwich and it'll be like Lanzini and Anderson or something. Yeah. But just um, honorable mention on Lanzini because he is the other option, of course, at 6.5. Um, you could also look at, at Felipe Anderson, I think is a little bit more expensive. I think he's seven. Oh, he's gone down to 6.9 actually. Huh. But Lanzini has been the one who's at brightest and obviously won the penalty. I think he's got three yeah. assists already this season. And is it? Or did he score? No, he's got no, he two got, assists, but he got yeah. three bonus points in the um in the other game. He's looked really bright. I just think Alaire has previous for being a you know a goal scorer of upwards of twenty goals. And Lanzini, while he's a good player, if I can spend one million more and get someone who's going to be a consistent goal scorer, then I probably take that over over taking a punt on Lanzini. To be honest. Um, especially when there's someone like Cantwell who can slot in at like 4.7 and mm. uh, hopefully do do some goals and some assists himself. I was just thinking back to last week when we spoke about the Rashford penalty situation. Yep. And it's funny how a week changes things, isn't it? Because basically, uh, yeah, Rashford takes a penalty and he misses it. That's that's the long and short of it. Yeah, but he didn't proper miss, though, to be fair. Like, it was like an unfortunate miss. I mean, he did have the whole goal to aim at. But... It's just... It's all just very poetic, isn't it? It's that know. there was this kind of... Um, almost like a little bit of a subtle power play where he was like, you know, my boy, he, he took the penalty and missed it. We can all miss penalties. But you know Rashford was probably thinking at the time, I'm going to get the next pen. I'm going to score it. This just makes me look better. Yeah. And then he gets a penalty in a game they're losing and he, he hits the post. And it was amazingly unlucky as well because he doesn't just hit the post, it then goes out for a goal kick immediately after. 
I, it's crazy how things like that happen, but this is, I can't remember if we said this exactly, but this was exactly the kind of game that, that Man United would slip up at. Uh, yeah. Palace. It's the first time Palace have ever won. Yeah. At Old, at Trafford. Old Trafford's, which is almost kind of surprising considering that Palace are usually quite good or particularly over the last couple of years have been quite good in these away from home sort of big six clashes. Mm. But it's just the perfect game, especially when you know that Solskjaer wants to play counter-attacking football and Palace are happy to sit back and defend. And this defence from Man United is just not perfect. Uh, despite signing Juan Bissaka and Harry Maguire, like I've never really thought that Harry Maguire was an amazing defender. Um, and yeah, they're, they're, they're going to continue to concede goals. That said, do you think this is cause for concern if you have brought someone like Rashford in? Uh, no. No? No. <laughs> I'm not concerned. Okay. Um, and if in what... Uh, so I didn't write out their fixtures because that would have been too much preparation. No, I don't care. Whatever. If you've just bought one in, don't get rid straight away because that's such a waste of everyone's time. Um, so see how they pan out. And yeah. then make your make your choice. Obviously if you're um wildcarding in the international break, then do whatever the fuck you like. But yeah, no, if you're not I'd stick with whoever you've got in. Well and no one's got in two defenders, have they? Because that'd be insane. So really you've bought in either Rashford or Martial because no one's bought Pogba because that would be stupid. Yeah, that'd be crazy. So yeah, just hold on, because nothing mad is didn't Martial get an assist? Yeah, Martial came away with five points. There you go. It's not problem. So it's not all bad. And he's fairly cheap. So all things considered. So yeah, no, hold on. Don't worry about it. It's chill. Yeah. uh, I think if you thought that Man United were going to be a good good shout for the next few weeks, you have to stick with that call, much like I'm doing with my Leicester boys. I'm I'm riding it out. I'm not being too hasty. Uh, Palace, I don't think there's really too many options besides defensively. Uh, no. I saw that Kelly's gone up today, point one. <laughs> I don't know what's more shocking about Palace. The fact that they won for the first time ever at Old Trafford or the fact that Jordan Ayew scored a goal. Yeah, and he was brilliant as well. But it's just one of those things where, you know, one day a season, this kind of thing will happen. And I could see Palace going on to lose their next five games now and being relegation threatened but it's just one of those weird sort of oddities of football where Mm. a team like Palace are kind of perfectly suited to playing against this type of side and that I mean Man United in the end they were they were a bit unlucky not to come away with at least a point but it is what it is and De Gea is making mistakes again and it's all it's all crazy uh you've highlighted Genepo I assume that's how you say it I was going to say Genepo then oh match of the day they just called him Genepo Okay. But I don't know about his business. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's 5.4. I mean, he came off the bench, I think, but he looked really impressive. Mm, he did come off the bench, indeed. And looks like a kind of similar player to, to what Nathan Redmond is. And I wonder if this is going to be a slow evolution of Southampton trying to get more of these types of players in the team where at the moment they have guys like James Ward-Prowse. And I, I thought Southampton were really impressive, by the way. Like... Brighton got a player sent off early on. It was a ridiculous foul from Andone. 
Um, and Brighton was still in the game, still well in the game. Obviously, Lewis Dunk had a goal ruled out for... Yeah, for, for offside. This was very confusing to me. Watching Match of the Day, it wasn't clear what had gone on because they didn't highlight like anything being offside. They highlighted like the goalkeeper being... Being fouled. Yeah. yeah, so I didn't understand what went on there. That was exactly the issue I had. It's like, they're saying it's offside... But when the ball is headed, there is no like intent to go towards the ball. He's just already standing there, yeah. and he's already knocked the goalkeeper goalkeeper over. So it's so a it foul. should have been it should have been disallowed because of the foul, not yeah. because of offside. Yeah, because at that point, like Gunn is on the floor. Yeah, and it's like if you don't think it's a foul, then that guy is not interfering with play because Gunn isn't going to dive if he's already laying down. (laughs) It it was a very strange situation. They didn't really explain. And I think it was rightfully disallowed. But just the fact that they said it was offside when I could kind of... I could see if you were arguing that he was offside um, and he was interfering. Yes, that makes sense. But the, the fact the goalkeeper was down for the count, essentially, it meant there was no way he could possibly be interfering with a goalkeeper who's out of the game yeah um apart from the interference that had come before it so it was really strange situation but yeah gun obviously sitting on my bench great guy seven points um Gineppo did look really impressive I thought Nathan Redmond at 6.4 now he's dropped point one. he looked pretty good throughout uh he had a few good shots he got a nice tap in in the end which was very reminiscent of a Raheem Sterling goal which I think is funny considering Pep Guardiola had a a five minute go at uh Nathan Redmond's what last season the season before um but (laughs) saying that he was just telling him he's a very good player and he needs to do more this kind of does feel like Southampton are getting there and I'm just a little bit disappointed that the guy I decided to roll with was Che Adams because he hasn't got anything yet. And Is he starting? Yeah, yeah, he started the game. He's been the starting striker. Danny Ings has been playing behind him. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to watch him. I, I think Southampton in general like created some really nice chances and this was a really fun match because it was just end-to-end, like constant sprinting. Uh, you had a few chance creation stats you wanted to mention. Yeah, so... So following on that, I read somewhere, but I can't find where I read it, that Chossard created the most chances of any player this weekend. Which, if true, I thought was quite impressive, considering they were playing with only 10 men for more than half of the game. That is actually crazy as well, because from watching the highlights, I saw maybe like one chance created from him. Yeah, and him do some defending, which yeah. is not his job. Yeah, I, I thought he looked good. Like, he had some really nice touches, some nice dribbles, some nice skills. But it's kind of weird because, yeah, I didn't see that happening. But I think he, I think he's still at 6.0, might be 6.1 now. No, he's still at 6.0, I think. Yeah. Uh, he is a player who looks really good. And it's a very good price for, for a midfielder. Um and yeah, also Zinchenko with the most chances from any Man City player, which... Which is contradictory to what you said last week, where you were like, he doesn't create anything. Yeah, and also I watched this full match and I didn't really see any chances created by Zinchenko. So this is another... I saw win. one. I didn't, <laughs> yeah. No, he did do one that we actively were like, ah, oh, look, yeah. there's that chance he's created. I think maybe was that Bernardo Silva when he shot on the edge of the box and it... I don't recall. 
I, that's not the kind of thing that I... Yeah. Uh, I didn't really see him create any amazing chances. I mean, he did set up De Bruyne for the one that he scuffed that then became the Aguero goal. But yeah, I didn't... I don't recall any great ones. And it, it seems that, for me, like Man City fullbacks, unless it's Benjamin Mendy, who God knows when he's going to play again. He's back in training. Yeah, I know, but he's got this ongoing sort of feud with Pep, hasn't he, where he's like not professional enough or whatever. With Zinchenko, I just feel like so many of the contributions he has, similar with Walker, it's it's passing the ball infield then for David Silva or Kevin De Bruyne or uh, Aguero and Sterling to kind of make something happen. I don't think you're going to see great assist numbers from a guy like Zinchenko. I think it's more about about getting those clean sheets. And I have Kyle Walker for 0.5 more and, and finished with one fewer point this week. So I don't know. I don't know. It's it's strange. I think Man City really needs to start keeping clean sheets for their defensive value to be justified. Um, how, how do you feel about this whole sort of defensive situation, no one keeping clean sheets? Because I'm kind of of the opinion it's like everything's all just a bit chaotic at the moment and people are writing think pieces about like, oh, why there's, there's no value in these big defenders and it's all crazy. It's like we're three weeks in. It's fine. Yeah, I feel like that, that there's not enough data to play no defenders. Um, <laughs> it's fine, just only play three. Like literally chill out. Hmm. Well, we know in, in like three weeks time, Liverpool will keep, you know, three back-to-back clean sheets and all of a sudden the narrative will be changed. So that's kind of what what annoys me, I think, is people start looking at the points returns and start saying, look, there's no value in defence because no one's keeping clean sheets. And it's like, well, yeah, but you only have one chance to keep a clean sheet per week, whereas you have potentially, you know, multiple chances to score goals. So it's it's kind of a a funny situation where if one moment can can kill that clean sheet and there's just one sort of lapse in concentration in, in this early season sort of mindset. Like, it, it can happen. It's fine. Uh, but I do think over the course of the next sort of six weeks, you'll start to see that those top price defenders will start to demonstrate their value a bit more. Um, was there anything else on this week? There's uh, another stat. Pepe had the most dribbles of anyone in the Premier League this week. Uh, I think it was seven dribbles completed in the game against Liverpool. So, pretty impressive considering he was playing against the best defence in the league, judging by last season's stats. Um, actually, Barnes is probably worth mentioning, because oh, he scored yeah. again. Yeah. And who saw this coming? Absolutely nobody. They were really unlucky. Like, such a late a late goal to concede. And I thought, from the highlights, it looked like Burnley really were the better side. Uh, Barnes could have had a second as well. He had a great chance quite late on. Um, and Burnley do play Liverpool next, but after that, their fixtures are so good. Hmm. Um, Brighton away, Norwich at home, Aston Villa away, uh, Everton at home. So maybe one to look at. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's been on fantastic form and, and really looks like a much better player than he was two two years ago. I'd also like to say that I got rid of Wood this week and the FPL Twitter account uh, claimed initially that Wood had the assist for Barnes's goal, and I thought, well, that's typical, isn't it? <laughs> Only for them to revoke that ten minutes later and claim it was actually McNeil. It was McNeil, and McNeil is another guy at six point oh, who or maybe six point one now. He looks really, really good. So if you want a Burnley attacker, and maybe you already have your strikers set, 
Like McNeil is, a, yeah, he's still 6.0, still a good value pick and looks really, really positive this season. Mm, like an alternative to Trossard, I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally. And with those good fixtures coming up, I think you could really profit from something like that. Uh, what else was there? Villa beat Everton, Wesley scored a, a goal and it was a really nice assist from Hotter. Uh, Everton missed about a million chances. Any love for Wesley at 6.0? Not yet. I don't know enough about these teams, about mm. um, Villa and Sheffield. It's a little bit hard at the moment. I think looking at Wesley, what I got from him is he's kind of like, he's quite lumbering. Like he's very strong, but he isn't very fast. Yet somehow he was able to sort of take the ball and dribble it into the corners. And he did some really, really good stuff for the team. I don't know if he's going to translate into like the FPL points you want over the course of the season. Mm. Um, I don't think he had a great record in, in Belgium either for goal scoring, but he did look like a good team player. I, I'm just unconvinced on FPL value, but then he is 6.0, so you kind of get what you pay for to an extent. Elsewhere, Vardy did score for Leicester. He broke his goal scoring duck this season, so it was a classic Vardy goal. Uh, Sheffield United dispossessed on the halfway line and then Vardy basically threw on goal, smashes it in the top corner. It was a nice goal. I think Leicester have a fairly sort of decent run coming up. Uh, Bournemouth, Man United, Tottenham, Newcastle. I think Man United and Tottenham look very questionable at the moment. Did you see the um, either the game or the highlights of, of Newcastle Spurs? No, I felt like I didn't need to. It was it was not good. They were very, very... Like, they had a lot of possession. Uh, I know there's a little bit of debate over whether or not they should have had a penalty. For me, it kind of wasn't, but I'm also quite biased, so it's hard for me to <laughs> to give a balanced analysis. But I could, I, I could see why it wasn't given, in that Harry Kane was kind of leaning on the defender when he tripped over, when he could have just stayed on his feet and run towards the ball. But they... They just didn't create anything. Like, they started taking pot shots from, like, 30, 40 yards really, really early on. Um, I know there's this kind of chaos going on with Ericsson wanting to leave and, and Pochettino's been kicking up a fuss about it in the post-match uh, interview. Nothing looks right there at the moment, and I'd be quite worried if you had Harry Kane. I mean, I know he does love to score against Arsenal, but... It's a lot of money for a, a very dysfunctional team and defensively they don't look good either. So very much up in the air at the moment. I'd be steering clear from Spurs, from Spurs just for the just for the now until they kind of uh until things settle down after the transfer window. Uh yeah, they, they look kind of lacking in ideas. It was very, very strange and made it very easy for Newcastle in the end. Uh, yeah, that's all for me. So do you want to move on to the Denalysis Domestic? What's What's gone on this week in our little league? Well, it's a Norwegian takeover this week. Uh, top scorer this week is Stig Stavnes. Um, correct Norwegian pronunciation, I'm certain. <laughs> um, with 79 points, uh, he had Salah Sterling captain. And the most insane front, front three I've seen so far this season of Ale Wesley and Pookie. I'm into it. Sensational. Yeah, who'd have thought? What a week. <laughs> and we have a new league leader this week in Marie Scomedel, uh, who I think would have almost been top scorer last week as well, had she joined the league earlier. But you can't have it all. 
Um, Welcome to yeah. our league, Marie. Yeah, quite impressive. I don't have it up, obviously, because that's my level of organisation today. But when I looked the other day, yeah, she's nine points clear as well. And I just think that's rude, to be honest. Why is that rude? <laughs> just joining someone's league game week three and then just just going straight in at the top and being nine points clear. It's not all right. She it? can't help that she's good. Do you know where you are in this analysis domestic? Uh, probably not a great position. I'm 108th. Oh, I'm 96th. Okay. That's not too bad. That's all right. I, I, mean, I mean, it just means that our league is getting bigger, which is quite good. It's at least. nice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well done, guys. Uh, congrats on your successes. I'm hoping I can join you somewhere near the top in a few weeks' time, but I won't hold my breath. Uh, shall we look ahead to game week? Four. Yeah, I haven't. I just looked at the fixtures and saw there's not only no Friday, but also no Monday. I absolutely love it. Just get it all over and done with. Let's let's play this, play these fixtures, and yeah, move on. Um, Yeah, this is really cool. So we got Southampton, Man United, the early kickoff on Saturday, and then we got a whole host of three o'clock games. In fact, we got one, two, three, four, five, six. I thought it was seven for a moment, but it's six. That's pretty cool. That's a good accumulated situation there. Isn't it? Chelsea, Sheffield United, uh, Crystal Palace host Aston Villa, Leicester play Bournemouth, Man City play Brighton, Newcastle play Watford and West Ham play Norwich. There's a lot of good sort of bigger teams playing smaller teams situations here, which I like. Even like West Ham, Norwich, you've got, you know, guys who are pushing the, the sort of top eight in the league playing the the exciting newly promoted boys and you've got newcastle watford who are sitting pretty near the bottom of the table although it's all weird at the moment because i think 19 teams in the league have more than three points uh, or have three points or more surely only watford are the team who haven't got any points. yeah exactly and it's quite a, a sad time for watford because they should be doing better and actually they created a number of good chances against West Ham, but just failed to put them away. Will Hughes in particular comes to mind. He, he missed from, well, missed an open goal. And uh, De La Feu did have, have one little good chance in the game. What are you thinking uh, for, for captaincy this week? Um, it's quite annoying, actually, because you can't really go for a Sunday captain. Mm. I know we haven't discussed Sunday fixtures yet. Yeah, we haven't gotten there yet. Sorry but you have just asked me about captains. Um, So it's probably, you know what, I'll tell you who I have it on at the moment. I have it on Sterling at the moment against Brighton, which I think is fair. It's got to be Raheem, right? It's either Sterling or I might go for like a Vardy against Bournemouth. I don't love it considering the way Leicester have played. Like, I, I think Leicester can score a lot of goals in this game, but also they haven't created a huge amount of chances in their games so far this season and I thought Bournemouth put up a really really good fight against Man City and they really uh they really shut City down quite quickly and I think they could probably put up a similarly good defensive performance against Leicester um but that said they do tend to leak goals so even though they put up a good performance against City they still conceded three and could have conceded more Mm. uh I think what was more impressive about them was that they actually managed to create quite good chances against City. Uh, Chelsea, I mean, if you've got any Chelsea players against Sheffield United, any love for that? Or is that too risky considering the 
defensive qualities of Sheffield United? I don't think it's particularly risky. I guess it depends who are, what your other options are hmm. and also how well you're doing. Like if you think you can afford to take a slightly like risky captain, then yeah, for sure do it. <laughs> Southampton Man United Rashford no, no. <laughs> 12.30 no. I know it's a 12.30 I'm sorry it's a um, stupid question Burnley Liverpool is uh, the late kickoff at 5.30 and yeah I, I have Salah as my vice but I don't like it at all and I think I might play Pope yeah I, I've just switched to uh, Angus Gunn which is obviously going to be a mistake from Nick Pope but this to me just uh Liverpool away from home as well this has you know sort of 1-0 2-1 win written all over it I think mm. it's going to be a tough game I think Burnley Burnley are quite underrated actually like I know a lot of people have looked at <laughs> particularly Arsenal fans who seem to you know we seem to hate ourselves a little bit we look at the two games we won to open the season Newcastle and Burnley and it's like oh yeah but Newcastle are rubbish because Steve Bruce and Burnley are just long ball merchants but it's actually like Burnley are pretty freaking good and they put up a, a really good performance against Wolves and were unlucky not to not to walk away with the win so the more I see of Burnley the more I think this team has evolved beyond what it was a few years ago. I think it's going to be a really tough game for for Liverpool to rack up the goals in. So I would be hesitant to to captain someone from Liverpool, whereas I look at Man City versus Brighton, and I think, well, Brighton last season were a lot more defensive. Brighton this season, they just seem to run around like headless chickens. So <laughs> I think that's a good time to captain a Man City player. Also, someone we didn't mention was Aguero, who obviously mm. walked away with two goals this weekend. Yeah. 12.0, striker, very awkward situation. But if you do have him, he's definitely one to look at for this sort of game because this is the kind that, you know, Aguero always does it once a season, doesn't he? He walks away with five goals in one game. And this certainly looks like that sort of fixture. So if you do have him and you want to maybe go for a little bit of a differential to Sterling... I still think Sterling is probably the standout option and he, he's been consistent. You know, he's got a goal in all three games so far and he just looks really, really up for it. So I think he's a, a perfect choice. As soon as Aguero scores once, I get nervous and I think, why don't I have Aguero? Yeah. You think, oh, the four goal game is coming. It's going to happen. He's going to go crazy. Every time. Every it, single time. It's, it's what he does. It's so frustrating because I, I've never really been fully on the Aguero train. And he's really made me sad some weekends with, with all of his goals. Uh, and then on Sunday, we have Everton Wolves at 2pm. Looking forward to losing my Luca Dean clean sheet in this one. And Arsenal Spurs, a late kickoff. And that's it for the weekend. Any... I won't have any players on Sunday. Yeah, that kind of sucks, right? This is the kind of thing that makes me want to make a renegade transfer and just bring Pepe in, just so I have two players on... Wait, no, three players on Sunday, because I have yeah, Luca no, you Dean. you don't need that. If you've already got two, you don't need a third. Yeah, I know, but I want it. <laughs> I want it so bad. <laughs> I, I'm just... I'm speaking emotionally now. I'll, I'll calm myself down and I'll think about it rationally later on. But yeah, I, I think there is, there is an outside shout for Aubameyang if you have him, to, to be a captain in this game because he did score two last year. And I think the only thing that that makes this 
that makes me not want to do this is that Man City fixture. It's at home and it's Brighton and Brighton are playing a completely different style now. It just seems like too good an opportunity to pass up. And I can't think of anyone else besides Harry Kane that would be owned in these Sunday fixtures that, that would be captainable. And looking at Harry Kane's recent performances, even against Arsenal, who he loves to score against, when you know that Sterling can get five points for a goal or you can get, you know, Aguero instead, potentially. I just don't think any of these players are going to be standout captains for the Sunday game, sadly. Any, any thoughts about these games? Everton, do you reckon they can get back on the clean sheet horse? No. No? <laughs> Care to elaborate? <laughs> no, I just don't rate them. Isn't it their Goodison Park form where they've got like five clean sheets in their last five? Yeah, you said going back like home. this last week. And Wolves have looked a bit iffy and they've got Europa again. Yeah, but Wolves are somehow just getting away with it. Like, that's the yeah. thing. Yeah, Jimenez was sort of the standout player at the weekend and had a few chances and then obviously buried the penalty. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough one. Also, there's a Carabao Cup this week. Oh, bloody hell. In the midweek. So watch out for your injuries. But I think... This wraps us up for the week, and what we're going to be back in oh, two weeks. Two weeks time. I don't know when exactly, but yeah, the fabled international break has come our way. I'm sure we'll survive. Yeah, probably. It's always a temptation to like wildcard around that time, isn't it? Though, just not something we really really spoke about. What are your thoughts on wildcarding at the moment? Uh, I hopefully won't need to do it. But if you need to do it during the first international break, then all the best to hmm. you. It all feels too too soon for me at the moment, unless your team is just like full of players who aren't playing or, or yeah. you know, you have a really dire situation in terms of like you need to entirely switch your budget around. Um, I, I look at the sort of emergent players at the moment and I'm just not sure about anyone. Whereas I remember last season, game week three, I was fully on the Hazard train. I saw him playing really well and I was like, no, this is it. I need to make this move now. Yeah. I don't feel like there's anything, there's no one jumping out that you wouldn't expect to be jumping out. I mean, for me, the only issue is maybe I don't have Salah because I opted for a Bamiyang instead. That's basically why I didn't do very well this week is because mm. I didn't own the highly owned player who did well. <laughs> yeah. So if I did own Salah instead of, say, Aubameyang, I would have been, what, 10 points to the good. Um, I would have had someone else playing somewhere else, but, you know, I would have had an improvement at least. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a tricky one at the moment. I'm waiting and seeing on that because I do think Salah is amazing, but I think 12.5 is so much freaking money. And especially when I'm already, what, Sterling's 12. So it really hamstrings the rest of your team. But at the moment, it looks like it's a good hamstring to have because he's doing well and so is Sterling. And you have this yeah. situation where you start to wonder, like, oh, should I just do it anyway? But yeah, we'll be back. We'll probably update on Twitter when we will be returning um you can follow us at the denalysis you can also email us if you have any questions hello at the denalysis.com is the address uh, and also subscribe to this podcast if it's your first time listening you've enjoyed it or you just haven't subscribed yet uh and, and if you would like to or if you have enjoyed this podcast please rate and review on apple podcasts five star is preferred but anything else is good because you know 
we love a bit of controversy if people are talking about it so it's it's great it's great that's what will fire us up in the charts and we'll be mega super duper podcasting legends um so yeah that's all from me i don't know if you have anything for the lovely listeners natalie anything to add before we go just like to let everyone know that this week we're up to number 26 in the apple podcast fantasy sports chart in australia (laughs) famous af i love it Mm. well how about that big up any of our australian listeners and 20th in the uk that's that's fairly decent i guess i don't know how many there are there are loads of fantasy podcasts now so it's probably not totally dreadful (laughs) but yeah uh thanks for listening anyway guys we'll we'll see you in a couple of weeks time bye